the nation's capital, Mutual Radio presents The Larry King Show, Network Radio's most listened to coast-to-coast talk program, featuring guests from around the world and calls from all across America. And now, Network Radio's number one interviewer, Larry King. Thank you, Fred Larry, and good evening, everybody. On this Friday night, Saturday morning across America, this is The Larry King Show, coast-to-coast on Mutual. Our very special guest tonight, we'll meet her in just a moment, is Sarah McClendon who heads the McClendon News Service. This is Dodie Land. Conversations from the Madison Isthmus. Here is Gregory Humphrey. Well, hello there and welcome to another podcast from the Madison Isthmus. It is so nice to have you along. It is winter here on the Isthmus. Lots of snow, lots of cold air, and we're having a lot of time inside. And I hope wherever you are, you're warm and safe too. Don't forget to keep wearing your mask, plan to get vaccinated. We're going to beat this pandemic, but we're going to have to do it together. Today, we're going to pay tribute to a radio legend, Larry King. He made a deep impression on me. I want to talk about what he meant to me. And also, when I was in broadcasting school, thinking I could become something akin to the next Larry King, wanting that at least in my life, I also was reading a book about another broadcaster. I have a funny story to share about that. That and more coming up today on Doty Land. Broadcast legend Larry King died in January of 2021 at the age of 87. He was known as the Suspenders Sporting Everyman, whose broadcast interviews with world leaders, movie stars, and ordinary Americans helped define American conversation for nearly five decades. He was a constant part of late nights for me on the radio, and I was so pleased to land on his radio program when his guest was David Gergen, during the years President Reagan was dominating our national politics. The voice and tone of King had long amused me with his varied topics and guests, but it was his professional skills behind a microphone that drew me in my late teens and early adult years, both as a broadcasting student and as a broadcaster on WDOR radio. I wanted so better to learn more about effective broadcasting, and Larry King was, in many ways, my role model. I fell asleep to King so often and took notes in the dim light of the radio dial about ways I could become better in the studio. When I moved from an apartment in Wausau, I left a rather cocky note on the mirror. I was so determined and wanting to be a talk show host that I left this note saying the next Larry King had lived here and placed it on the mirror. Needless to say, there is only one Larry King, and my ambitions in radio far, far outpaced my skills. But what he meant to me in my younger years and how he inspired me to dream and the number of hours of listening, none of that can be taken away. I was a caller into King's Mutual Radio talk show one evening in the mid-1980s while I was also on the air from WDOR doing a separate broadcast. While spinning the disc and giving time and temp, I was also monitoring King's program. Multitasking and broadcasting is something that becomes rather second nature after a while. There were times when I was listening to two separate baseball games our station was broadcasting, one carried on our AM station, the other over the FM. I dropped in commercials for each game and at times even provided an update on the FM game for the AM audience. So clearly monitoring Larry King while doing my job on air was not difficult at all. Finally, King's producer on the phone said I would be the next caller. I was feeding the mutual radio broadcast program through one of the studio's reel-to-reel tape machines so my national moment with King could be recorded. Now, when was the last time you heard anybody talk about a reel-to-reel tape? 
But that tape that I then put onto a CD has been one of my fond parts of my broadcast collection. This is what it sounded like 30 years ago. You're listening to The Larry King Show, live from the nation's capital. Here again, Larry King. To Sturgeon Bay, Wisconsin, hello. Hi, Larry, great show. Thank you. Uh, given the fact that uh, Reagan is a good communicator, how important will it be for the next president to be a good communicator since America seems to be accustomed to a president who can make uh, great speeches and give good theater? I think both gentlemen say it's very important. Very. Uh, yeah, I just don't think you can get away with it. You know, a guy who stumbles around on... on, on he set a new yardstick in that regard. He has set a yardstick. He's going to be the litmus test, and everybody is going to be compared with him. And I think that's one, one reason why people are looking to marry Cuomo. It is a long way from my listening to Larry King with cheap headphones as a teenager in Hancock, Wisconsin. King walked a long road of changes in radio broadcasting, and I have often wondered what a truly delightful interview it would have been for King to wing his way over the decades with stories about how broadcasting techniques evolved in his lifetime. Obviously, the need for lively and stimulating conversation remains the same since the airwaves were harnessed. It is just the methods used to get the broadcast from a broadcaster to a receiver that has changed so remarkably over the decades. And King, with a radio audience coast to coast, could make it seem like he was talking to one individual on a personal basis. You have no idea how hard that is truly to achieve. That is what made him so meaningful to me. What I could relate to was his curiosity about people and how he had actual conversations as opposed to the work that reporters do to get down to the main point lickety-split. He took his time evolving an interview and making it work for the listener. In 1995, Larry King said in an Associated Press interview, I don't pretend to know it all, not what about Geneva or Cuba, but instead I ask Mr. President, what don't you like about this job, or what's the biggest mistake you made? And then King said, that's fascinating to me, those types of questions. It was that style that caught my attention as a teenager and what made Larry King a radio legend. Here at CNN, we ask questions. Why did you write all this? Did you know why you surprised then? Every night, I look for answers. That's what fascinates me. Where will the answers take us tonight? Larry King Live, every night, 9 Eastern. When I was in broadcasting school and contemplating becoming the next Larry King, I also was reading a book called The Camera Never Blinks by Dan Rather. It's a rather amusing account of his early career in broadcasting, and one story from those days in radio encapsulated perfectly for me those feelings of dread that I was having the first nights when I was working on a radio station in Sturgeon Bay, WDOR. The famed CBS broadcaster tells of the Sunday morning sermons that came to the station on long play albums. One Sunday, Rather put one of those sermons on the turntable to play and knew he had enough time to head back into town for some food and still get back before the album was concluded. After making his purchase and returning to his vehicle, he turned the car radio on and heard what must have sounded like a terrible mathematical improbability, if not a downright impossibility. The record had a flaw, and the needle had started skipping backwards, repeating the same phrase over and over on the air. Now, one might think that was the worst of it, but alas, no, there was more. 
Not just any phrase assaulted sensibilities over the airwaves emanating from that Huntsville radio station. What the faithful listeners heard that morning was nothing less than a brimstone preacher shouting, Go to hell! Go to hell! Go to hell! Continuing, continuing, and continuing. When I first started in radio, I had a night not quite as tumultuous as that, but for me at the time, it seemed so. One of the first nights flying solo at the radio station, storm clouds gathered, and not just any, but green, ominous-looking storm clouds, and they lowered shortly after 7 o'clock, activating the streetlights earlier than usual. The studio was rocked by booms and lightning and thunder, and then all of a sudden a loud clack. And that was all it took. We were off the air. Just like that, there was no signal being transmitted from our station. Electrical power was flowing to the station, but our signal was no longer being emitted from the tower. Now, while I knew how to shut down the station at the end of a broadcasting day, having been trained in that since the previous week when I had arrived in Sturgeon Bay, I had no information whatsoever about how to turn the power back on. And then came the next part of the night that just seemed a little bit over the top for me, at least at that moment. Who would have guessed that listeners would call a radio station to alert announcers they were off the air? Did people really think broadcasters at a studio would not know when they were no longer transmitting something over the airwaves? Now, I was grateful for the help, but did I really need the extra stress of answering the phone? So there I was, the five telephone lines lit up before me, five little orange buttons on the face of the telephone blinking frenetically, and I was suddenly fielding calls from very well-intentioned people. Yes, thank you for your call. We are indeed experiencing a bit of technical difficulty. Things should be back to normal soon. Well, thank you. Yes, yes. Oh, I appreciate your call. Do have a good evening. Hell, hello. This is WDOR. Yes, thank you for your call. At the same time, I was, of course, trying to figure out what was to be done to get things back on course. And after about 20 minutes, an orange Corvette sped into the parking lot, and the program director, the station owner's son, entered through the back door of the studio. He sputtered as to why we were off the air. Well, to be very honest, I listened and thought the interrogation to be a trick series of questions akin to seeing a person typing and asking what was taking place. Was it not obvious why I was just sitting in the studio and talking to most of our audience via the phone? Those are the type of stories I wanted to hear from Larry King in some special interview where he would allow us insight into what happened in his early days or nights on the radio when he was starting out. Long before he was the ultimate professional behind the microphone, he made mistakes just like every other radio person, and I would have loved to have heard the stories. That is the interview that I wish we could have had from Larry King. I don't know what to say except to you, my audience. Thank you. And instead of goodbye, how about solo? Thank you for joining me for today's podcast on Doty Land. Please join me also on my Facebook page for Doty Land to find out more information on today's program and this podcast series. And finally, but not least, thank you, Larry King.